0: all people are when you manifestations obey God's word that was built by slaves and I watch my daughters
1: there is nobody that respects women more
0: than I do there is a love of crisis a love of
1: this esoteric analogy time esoteric analogy time, esoteric, esoteric analogy analogy time. Analogy time. Is the time for esoteric analogies. Question for you. Do you think Romeo and Juliet is a good story? I don't mean, is it your favorite story? I don't even mean, would you want to see it right now? I just mean, is it good? It seems fair to me to say that yes, Romeo and Juliet is a pretty good story. I mean, it's been around for a while. People are still buying it and reading it, performing it, buying tickets to see it performed. I think it's a reasonable thing to say that anything that can do that for multiple centuries could at least be called good. But asking that question to you in this context, of, Is Romeo and Juliet a good story? Asking that with me on one end of a podcast and you on the other really puts the question in a specific context, doesn't it? I mean, it'd be a really different question if you and I were Hollywood executives talking about different stories that we were thinking about making films of this year. In that context, the question... So, what do you think? Is Romeo and Juliet a good story? It would be different, wouldn't it? Or what if we were thinking about going to a local middle school's rendition of Romeo and Juliet as a play? And I asked if it was good. That'd be a different story, wouldn't it? Or let's go a little farther out there with the example. What if you were Juliet's dad? What would you think of the Romeo and Juliet story, then? Is it a good story? Welcome to this podcast. Today on the show, we are talking about social justice. And yeah, Romeo and Juliet is pertinent. We'll get to why in a second, but from what I've seen and heard from you all, this topic is one of the most frequently asked about in relation to the nature of this show, which is letting go of the stories that cause us suffering and loving the one and only this that is reality, yourself. And the questions that I hear from you usually go something like this. How can I love what is without becoming complacent? about important issues in the world like patriarchy, racial justice ableism and the like or how can I truly love this when this includes the oppression of others or how is it not selfish to just focus on easing my own mild existential suffering when so many others don't even have clean water to drink and aren't these great questions I think they are And I think they mean that you're paying attention. Because, you know, if you went to a funeral and you see a bunch of people crying and you walked in with a smile on your face, you're kind of an asshole. (laughs) If you look at our society and you don't feel the pain of it, then you're just like, well, I don't suffer because I love it. There's something about that that really grates us, right? Right. I mean, that doesn't feel like a fully loving, present human being in the world. The tension between loving the world as it is and desiring it to be better is a tricky one. For the same reason that it's tricky asking if Romeo and Juliet is a good story. In order to talk about it, you have to talk about it from somewhere... From a perspective, again, to speak about the Romeo and Juliet story from the perspective of a character in the story, like Juliet's dad, is to speak from a fundamentally different place or plane than to speak about it from, say, the manager of a theater company. In the exact same way, when we non-dual spiritual people say things like, all is one, or the world is perfect as it is, or this is all there is, or the kingdom of God is at hand, we aren't speaking about reality from the same perspective or plane of reality that we would be if we said something like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or love your neighbor as yourself. Because if the world really was only one perfect this with nothing to change, Why bother telling people to love each other? Why bother doing anything at all? What I would like to suggest to you is that the tension that we feel between trying to love this as it is, but being torn by wanting this to be something other than it is, is a similar tension that one might feel if you were the manager of the theater company trying to see eye-to-eye with Juliet's dad about whether or not Juliet should kill herself in the story. A fruitful conversation between the theater company manager and Juliet's dad just isn't going to happen. There isn't going to be any common ground. There's no way for the two parties to meet in the middle and come up with a good compromise. The human being putting on the play would rightfully say, Juliet's suicide absolutely must be part of the story. It is a vital and non-negotiable piece of what makes the story so good. And Juliet's dad would rightfully say something like, her suicide makes the story good? And what sort of sadistic story is this? What kind of psychopathic storyteller are you? This difference of planes of reality is easy enough to see when we are talking about something like a play. It's not so easy for most of us when we are talking about our lives. For most of us, we are not experiencing reality as though we are mere players on a stage. We are not experiencing our lives through the lens of the theater company manager. We are experiencing reality more like the characters themselves living the life of Michael and Rebecca and John. Most of us are so caught up in our own stories that we have no ability to see reality from any perspective but from our own egos and desires. So when somebody comes along and says, Hey everybody, you don't need to worry about anything. You're just characters in a play. We don't understand what the hell they're talking about. Or maybe we do, and in that case we often call them heretics or nail them to crosses. So what do we do about this tension? Can we see beyond the veil of our ordinary ego perspectives, like the great sages and mystics have, without becoming total assholes? Can we still care about the world and live as good human citizens of Earth, without suffering? Can we see? Through the illusion of separateness, knowing that there's absolutely nothing to worry about or suffer over, because there's only one thing going on, the play, while at the same time being a good actor in the play, mourning with those who mourn, loving those who need to be loved. In short, yes, I think we can. But it's not easy. It's a skilled actor, after all, who can invest himself fully in the part of his character while still knowing in the back of his mind that he is an actor playing a part. So how can we develop this skill? How can we love this and see through the illusion of the play while at the same time working to make the world a better place to live? I would like to suggest that if you truly see what I'm always pointing at in this podcast, the oneness of all, the non-dual isness that is this, before we turn it into stories and beliefs. That it is not actually that difficult to maintain the act of being a person. It's actually quite natural. In the same way that it would be easier for the theater company manager to handle the tension of Juliet's suicide, being a sad yet integral part of the story, than it would be for Juliet's dad to accept his daughter's death as a storytelling device. Those who have seen who they truly are, oneness, will have a much easier time navigating the tension between love and suffering than those who only see through and identify with the suffering of the character. In other words, if you let go of identifying as the character... You will not actually be letting go of the natural desires of the character, including all of the love and desire for social justice. It is possible to work for social justice without suffering. But ironically, to do that, you're going to have to give up clinging to your desire for social justice. That may sound extreme in your ears. Maybe I could say it a different way. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. If this is confusing for you, don't worry. Just keep listening. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. What's happening is that you are hearing words from the script as a character in the play. And that's really confusing to a character in a play. But keep listening. And I'll try to remind you who you really are. You think you are Juliet's dad. You think you are Paula or Julie or Tom. You are not. You are not a character in the play. You are the play itself. There is only one thing happening, and you are it. You are this. Okay, for the sake of clarity about all of this, let's swing back around to the social justice conversation and look at it from a different example. Let's imagine that I have a big remote control here for reality sort of like whatever that cheesy Adam Sandler movie was several years ago. So this remote that I have, it allows me to pause everything in the universe but your awareness into a freeze frame. In this example, you can even move your awareness around anywhere you want to go and examine this frozen universe, but nothing else will move. Got it? Okay. So here we go. I'm gonna push pause. Okay. This is our world now. Let's look around, shall we? What do we see? Well, for me, not much looks different, actually. I'm in my studio right now. And while everything in this room, the microphones and computer and walls and everything, are, of course, always changing, deteriorating back into the earth from whence they came... All of these objects are usually changing at a rate too slow for this particular kind of nervous system to really notice or pick up on it. My perception of movement is operating on a much faster time scale than most objects in the world are. So pushing pause in this room doesn't change very much. So let me just move my awareness outside for a second. Ah, there we go. Yeah, that's a little weirder. The trees are not blowing in the wind. There are birds and airplanes frozen in the sky. Everything is absolutely quiet and still. All the freeways in L.A. have become parking lots with frozen human beings in them in the middle of whatever they were doing, having conversations, scratching their face, picking their nose, chewing gum. People all over the world are stuck in whatever pose they were in. People smiling, people crying, people sitting on the toilet, taking a shower, making love. There's lots of people in poses who look like they were doing kind things, caring for the sick, holding their babies, giving people hugs, giving people food. It also looks like there were some things that were violent that were about to happen. People throwing punches at each other, pointing guns at one another. But strangely, in this frozen world, none of these things are happening anymore. Nobody's being fed. Nobody's getting punched. Because there's nothing happening. Meaning there's no movement. There's no story. It's just this frozen scene, almost like a 3D painting. Weird. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and give you one more ability in this frozen world, other than moving your awareness around to see it. I'm going to give you the ability to change it. I'm going to task you with making the world a better place. Okay, so you have absolute authority to change anything you want in this world, meaning you can move anything you want anywhere you want to move it. You can open up jail cells and move the people into flowery meadows. You can take money out of greedy Wall Street traders wallets and put it into the hands of homeless people. You can do whatever you want with this frozen moment of time in order to improve it. Ready? While you work, I wrote a little hold music for you to listen to. Okay, go. Make the world better. I'm gonna put this fence right over here. I'm gonna move my pence right over there. I'm gonna take this money and stack this apple on this pear. I'm gonna move what's here right over there. Keep going, keep going. I'm gonna push this pig right over here. I'm gonna take this bird into his ear. I'm going to take the Mona Lisa, glue it to my rear. I'm going to make things better over here. Woo. All right. Did you do it? Did you fix the world? Let's go take a look, shall we? All right. Nice. I see you accepted some of my suggestions. You put some bodies that were in jail in the meadow. Nice job. Oh, look, at this guy here, he was pointing a gun at somebody. And now there's no gun in his hand. Oh, you got rid of all the guns. Okay, wow, extreme, nice, good job. Okay, yeah, look at this woman. She was frowning, and it looks like you moved her face into a smile. Nice. Okay, yeah, I mean, looking around, I can see that things have changed. But, I mean, are you, are you sure they're really better?
0: Yes, of course they're better.
1: That's what I assume your voice sounds like, by the way. Why do you think it's better?
0: Why? Because it's obviously better. Look at this guy. He was about to fall off of a cliff. Now he's not.
1: But how could a frozen man fall off of a cliff?
0: What do you mean?
1: I mean, this world is frozen. Nothing is happening. There is no movement, no future, no past. It's just this world. Why would you think someone could fall off of a cliff?
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Well, he had lost his balance and he was about to fall off the side of a mountain when you pushed play again on that magic remote control.
1: How do you know I'm going to push play again on this remote control?
0: Oh, well, I assumed you would. Why wouldn't you?
1: Well, I don't know. Why would I?
0: Don't you want the world to go on?
1: What world? This is the world. Do you want a different world?
0: Well, yes, of course. I just don't want to be stuck in this frozen world forever.
1: But look around. There's no suffering in this world. Without the change of time, there's nobody experiencing anything. There is no death, no life, no fear. So no suffering. It's just this.
0: But I don't want just this. I want to experience life.
1: Are you sure? It's going to hurt. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but... I push play, those people you broke out of jail are going to be escaped convicts. Those people whose guns you took away, they're going to figure out a way to get new guns. That guy whose life you saved from falling off of the cliff is going to now suffer an excruciating slow death from cancer in just a few years, and so on and so on. Did you actually fix anything? I mean, were you able to Fix systemic racism, for example, while you were moving everything around?
0: Well, no, of course not. I wanted to, but that's not an object that you can move around.
1: Well, what about patriarchy?
0: No, I mean, I did my best. I went into the books of the largest corporations in the world and gave all the females a raise. That's
1: a good idea. But, I mean, if I push play, do you think that the people who look at those books aren't going to realize that their payroll has suddenly mysteriously increased drastically? Do you think the biases and patriarchy in their minds is just going to go away because the books are different?
0: No, I suppose not.
1: What about the pitfalls of capitalism? Or stupid ideas like flat earth theory? Or harmful religion? Did you do anything about that? Or how about a new president? Did you get us a new
0: president? Um, I mean, I thought of some of that stuff, but I didn't know what to do exactly. I can't make Donald Trump not the president because he's only the president because we believe he's the president. I can't move things around to change people's beliefs.
1: That's interesting. I think you were correct. You can't. And seen. <laughs> oh, thank you. Th- thank you. Oh, thank you. Time It was the time for analogies Okay, so yeah, that got a little out there, I'll admit it. But here's what I want you to take from that example. That frozen world is sort of how this really is under all of our stories. After all, without stories, what is there to experience? And who is there to experience? When we talk about something like social justice, we're not talking about the world that is this moment, but the world we would like to see in the future, a world other than this one. But such a world doesn't exist, not here, not now. It only exists in our minds in our stories, in our desires. This is why, in this example, we couldn't fix patriarchy. Because where is it in the frozen world? Show it to me. And we saw that's not the kind of thing patriarchy is. Patriarchy is something that primarily lives in our ways of thinking, and our concepts of who we are and what we want. But our concepts of the world do not exist on the same plane as the world itself. Just like Romeo and Juliet do not exist in the same plane as the guy who takes your ticket stub at the door. Now, if you counted all of the things happening in the eternally frozen world of the example, how many things would there be? there be any separation, really, between all of the things without telling stories about it? Without movement, there would be no story, so how could you say that there are separate things? Of course, to say no things wouldn't quite be correct, would it? I mean, there's the whole scene, after all. The one big painting. You could say that, couldn't you? The one big frozen scene well welcome to oneness oneness there is only this moment there is no you no me no past no future just this here and now but wait the character in the story says there are things happening look at me I have a personality. I have dreams and ambitions and pain. Who's talking? When Romeo says, Juliet is the sun, is that actually a real and independent being named Romeo saying that? Or is it a line in the play? What if what you think of as you, beloved, is simply a line in the play, a story. That's what the mystics have been saying for thousands of years. And it's the entire point of this podcast to invite you to see who you are under all those stories. Of course, this doesn't mean the stories don't exist. Your personality, your desires, your drama, It all exists, of course it exists. You're experiencing it. But you're experiencing it as story in your mind. And that's an important distinction. To say Romeo and Juliet are not real is not quite correct. They are real. We all know who I'm talking about when I talk about Romeo and Juliet. Their story has become part of our real lived experience. But the realness of Romeo and Juliet is on the plane of story, not of being. What I'm inviting you to do in this podcast as we deconstruct our stories is to move your awareness and identity out of the realm of story and into the realm of being. And what else is there to be but this? The thing is that. Doing that often alerts the ego. Red alert! Someone is trying to unseat me. And so the ego comes up with all sorts of clever excuses to not get off the throne. Like, but what about social justice? Or wouldn't it be selfish to not suffer? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it clever? Your ego is such a clever little friend. It's trying so hard to help you stay alive and be okay. It's beautiful. It really is. But the cost of letting that ego drive your life is a life of suffering. Which, you know, in its own way is kind of awesome. It's what God is doing in this play, after all. But if you were one of the few who, whose body has suffered enough... I bring good news to you. You aren't who you thought you were. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. It's all perfect. It's all you. And those questions that the ego is bringing up about social justice and making the world a better place and all of that are clever little defense mechanisms, but when you see through the story, and you move to the realm of being, you'll see that there's actually nothing to worry about in that question. In fact, issues of social justice are arguably better attended to when you're approaching it from the level of being, rather than just stories and ego. Because when you're living as being, the desires are still there. It's like when you're living as the actor in the play, the lines in the play are still there. And they do matter. I mean, the that, the world of the imagination and the mind, still does go together with the this of the actual here and now. If here and now I'm imagining that I'm a straight cisgender man named Michael, and I really believe it, the actual world of this will most likely conform to that illusory world in some ways that are different than if I believed I was a queer black woman named Sally. In the same way, if I believe that all people should be treated with dignity and respect in this moment, the this of this moment, the this world that arises, will arise in a way that goes together with that desire to treat people with dignity and respect. The freeze frame of this moment looks like it does in part because of the stories and the illusions in our minds of yesterday. They go together. So our stories and our desires of today are still here and they still affect what happens. But if we believe those stories to be playing on the same field of reality as mountains and trees and the rest of this, we will suffer. Because suffering is clinging to desire for the world to be other than it is in this moment. When you get to the part in Romeo and Juliet where they kill themselves, you probably feel a desire for them not to do that if you're a compassionate <laughs> human being. There's part of you that goes, oh no, that's part of what makes the story so powerful. But you probably don't cling to that desire very fiercely and identify with it as being real. You wouldn't jump on the stage, most likely, and scream, No! Don't do it! Do you see the difference between desire and clinging to desire in that example? To desire is part of being. To cling to desire is to believe the make-believe so much that you get lost in it. So when it comes to social justice... Yes, desire it, fight for it, destroy the patriarchy, resist the white supremacy of the world, champion the oppressed, listen to the marginalized. But in my opinion, if you'd like to do all of that in the most effective ways possible, don't believe a single word of it. Don't get bent out of shape about your own desires to the point where you are just a ball of fear and suffering yourself. Because if that's how you engage in trying to change the world, you aren't going to be able to do anything but change the world to be more like you. The fear, the suffering. You won't be able to do anything but just add to the noise, add energy to one side of the ego wars because when you do that when you just add energy to your side you're actually adding energy to the other side of the spectrum as well to wear your fuck Trump t-shirt does very little except ensure that somebody puts a fuck Democrats sticker on their pickup truck think about it who is a more powerful agent of change than a free human being Who has no need for the world to be other than this. Other than their own love, joy, and peace. Who would you rather have as a doctor? Someone who is freaked out and weeping about your illness? Or someone who is totally comfortable with this as it is? Including her knowledge and desire to help you be better. Who is a better playwright? Someone who believes their characters are real-life people? Or someone who sees through the game? Loving this, the characterless, storyless now, allows us to be free from suffering and embody the stories that we believe in in a freer way, with open hands. And an open heart. It allows us to paint all of tomorrow's free frames with a more joyful imagination and with unclenched hands. To love this is not to ignore the desires in our heart to make the world better. It's simply to see through them, to see the ultimate truth of this, that there really is nothing to fix, nothing to change nobody to change it. In this, we are free to create, to imagine, to love, to breathe freely, knowing that underneath all of these wonderful stories of ours, this really is all there is.